This is the Investing in Florida Tech Podcast, hosted by Florida Funders Managing Partner, Tom Wallace. Hello, my name is Tom Wallace, and I'm the Managing Partner of Florida Funders. And I'm here today with Alex Sink, who's an experienced investor and is going to share some of her anecdotes and, and wisdom with us. But before I introduce Alex, I just want to introduce all of you to Florida Funders. We are a hybrid across between a venture capital fund and a crowdfunding platform. And we scour the state of Florida looking for the very best early stage technology companies to find, fund, and help build. So we're really dedicated to changing Florida from the Sunshine State to the Startup State and making this a great place to start and build businesses and where our best and brightest entrepreneurs stay here to start their companies and not go off to other places. And if anything, we bring entrepreneurs from other places. So we've been at this about three years now. We've invested in 22 portfolio companies, deployed about $12 million, done 10 follow-on rounds, and we're growing rapidly. And we're going to do this year another probably 15 investments. So we're having a lot of fun. We're excited about the future and what that holds. And as part of what we do, we're really trying to turn on new investors, people that haven't invested in early stage technology before. Maybe they made their wealth in real estate or insurance or hospitality, whatever. And so that's what this podcast uh, video cast series is about. So with that, I have with me Alex Sink. Alex and I have been friends for many years and she has an amazing background and I'm going to let her tell you about it. But she was almost our governor. She was like this close <laughs> to being the governor of the state of Florida and should have been. And you would have been our first female governor. Oh, right? yes. Yeah. that's And uh, we worked together on that. So, Alex, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? I hope I didn't steal any of your thunder. Oh, no, not at all. I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited about Florida funders. But by way of background, I had a 25-plus year career in banking. I was the president of the Bank of America here in the state of Florida. So, Tom, by nature, I'm a very risk-averse, conservative person. After that, I got into politics. I served as the chief financial officer of the state of Florida. And after this governor's race that I lost, unfortunately, but maybe fortunately, because I got more involved in ventures, entrepreneurship, investing in startups, because it's something I really believed in. We were coming right out of the Great Recession here in Florida that we were in the first in and really literally the last out. And I believe yeah. that the way to rebuild Florida was not by going and stealing somebody else's Fortune 500 business to move their headquarters here, but rather to invest right at home in our startup entrepreneurs, just people like you. You're the perfect example of what I built my career on in banking is loaning money to people in Florida who had dreams and wanted to build businesses. And consequently, I wanted to really encourage more investment in startups. And so that's how I got started myself. Yeah, that's great. And just so you know, Alex is extremely involved in the tech community and the startup community in the state of Florida in a multitude of different ways. But we're going to talk about, and you can we can touch on those too, but talking about investing, how did you get involved in investing and how did that, that come about? Because you're very risk averse. I heard that. And obviously, <laughs> most people think of early stage tech uh, investing is anything but risk averse, which it is. Well, it probably for me started about probably 15 or 20 years ago when I was the CEO of a large bank and one of my employees approached me and said he was leaving the company, but he had an idea for a startup business. Mm -hmm. And 
I liked, uh, I thought he was incredibly talented and he had a terrific idea. And so I put a little bit of money because I wanted to help him. What was the idea? The idea was that he saw a need for smaller businesses to get financing. We were turning down small business loans right and left because the companies didn't have any equity and they didn't have any history. So it was a factoring. He, he basically started up a factoring business, and I believed in him and wanted to help him. And the amount of investment was not going to break my bank, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then about the same time, another young man approached me, and he had an idea for a cancer-fighting drug, a biotech business. So I always say, Tom, that my first two experiences were <laughs> I put money in these two businesses, Fifteen years later, the good news was both businesses were still in business, but the bad news was I hadn't gotten a check in the mail. <laughs> Shortly after that, though, the factoring business called me up and he said, Alex, remember your investment? I'm getting ready to send you a check for seven times seven the amount times? that you put in. That's a nice oh, return. Hey, that's yeah. pretty cool. Now, the biotech business, I'm 20 years out and I still haven't seen a dime back from that. So I learned... I'm not a biotech investor. Well, here's the irony (laughs) of this story. My first angel investment was actually in a community bank. Uh Uh-huh. And I put some money in, not a lot of money. It was, I remember it was $20,000. And I put $5,000 in for my niece. Right. Who had just been born. She's my godchild at the Mm -hmm. time. And she just recently turned 30. Uh Uh-huh. And I never saw, I did get my money back, but it was, about four years ago, so 26 years <laughs> later, <laughs> and they rolled into another bank, so I got to buy my money back. And so, so, so for purposes of our podcast, we need to fast forward. Yeah, moving. <laughs> Let's fa- fast yeah. forward and talk about. Yeah, uh, t- tell me about some of your more recent investments. So I will. You- I will. You know, once I, I got so passionate coming through this great recession in Florida and believing in the way that we should regrow our economy. So when I came back to Tampa from Tallahassee, I looked around and I saw that the Tampa Wave, which is our startup technology incubator, had had gotten a grant and was busy trying to incubate startup companies. And I'm just a believer in putting my money where my mouth is. Mm -hmm. And so I started making a few Small investments, and this is the way I looked at it, and and I want to encourage listeners to think about, maybe thinking about the way I did. Mm -hmm. I just said, this is a lot of fun. I want to support my community. I love being involved in these founders who are so passionate about their business idea. I'm going to set aside 10% of my investable assets to have some fun and to invest in startup ventures. And... uh, I'm not going to put a large enough amount so that if it doesn't work out, it's going to impact my lifestyle. Sure. But I recognize that I guess the average is for every 10 investments, maybe six won't be successful and four will. You know the numbers better than well, I do. Well, it depends on the stage, but yeah, roughly. That's but I just thought, okay, I'll accept the fact that some are going to work out, others are not going to, but at but the But the winners should more than make up for the losers. Well, that's the whole idea. And so far for me, so good. And I'm having a good time taking my carving out my ten percent of my investable net worth and just looking for these opportunities. But mostly I go along with what people like Florida funders is wonderful because you do all the due diligence, you vet the deals. 
what I bet what I bet on is whether I like the CEOs and the teams and the business concept. And I'm not a sophisticated investor. I don't pay too much attention to the deals or the structure or anything else. I leave that up to the Florida funders, guys. Well, thanks. We like to we like to say we do the heavy lifting for for the investors because exactly. we do the due diligence, we do all the legal docs, we do all that stuff. And so you said something that I think it, I want to come back to, and that's that you like the founders, you look at them. So you're you're betting on the people, the jockey. You like that yes. more than the horse. I like betting and the jockey for yeah. sure. Well, and I think that you know, so, so this is part art, part science, and mm-hmm. a lot of people at the end of the day, it's their gut feeling about the investment and. The people are a lot of that, right? Yes. And I think another part of betting on the jockey, though, is, you know this all too well, is that in a startup business, they may start with three or four or five employees. And the question is, as a company grows and begins to scale, that founder usually does not have the background or the experience of running a larger business. So... What I'm also looking for is whether or not they're coachable and whether or not they're willing to bring in more talent uh, that's more skilled in running very large businesses and the founder can continue with the strategic vision of what the product yeah, is that's about. A, that's a good point. Do they, do they have a, is their ego going to get in the way mm-hmm. when, because there's usually that some, there's not, they're very, Michael Dell and Bill Gates are the exception. Right, they built right. companies from nothing right. to billions. Is that billions. something you look at at Florida found uh, at yeah. Florida funders? Definitely- because you put people on the boards usually. We is do, that right? Yeah, we usually take a board seat, and we always assign an operating partner, which is one of our investors or partners mm-hmm. to, to oversee that investment, to coach and mentor the CEO, make introductions, add the value. We get very involved in that, but we we do see where you know the business more than likely will at some time outgrow the, the CEO. Hopefully that's 10, 20 years out and, you know, we may even be exited by then. But, you know, does that CEO have too big of an ego, he or she, that they are not going to be able to? The dilemma we get into, and it's one I don't have an answer for, is when we see that, hey, we love the idea, we like the founder, but we don't think they can even take this more than maybe a year or two. That's a more challenging because we're not really in the business of replacing founders or not really in the business of bringing CEOs in to run. And and they're not easy to find people to run these companies. They're going to do a good job, too. No, but at the end of the day, you have to protect the interests of the investor as well. Absolutely. But we're in minority. We have to take a minority position. So Mm -hmm. if that CEO digs their heels in and says, hey, I'm not going to be replaced. I'm not going to become the CTO or the chief strategy officer like you're suggesting, which is exactly what they need to do. Can they do Well, they do that? So is there any, when you're investing, is there any particular technology that today that you like or business models you like, or are you pretty eclectic or how do you look at that? For me, I I heard some good advice is try to invest in things that you understand. And I'll throw an example, blockchain. I don't have a clue what blockchain even is. (laughs) And I'm not interested in really taking, I don't have the time or the effort. It's refreshing to, that you admit that, learn. because I think there's a lot of us that don't, but not many people will come out and say it. I like that. So um, I've invested in technology-oriented plays, but they are products, uh, whether it's uh, PeerFit or uh, TSO Life or some of the other companies that we have incubated at the Wave at least uh, I can appreciate the product and the marketing part yes. of it. And I you can, get it. It, I can explain it, it to yeah. somebody You can explain it to other else. people. <laughs> no, that's, that's good. And, and there, it, if you look at the uh, 
the research on angel investing is people tend to do better. Uh, due diligence is a big part of it, getting returns and investing either in industries they know or with people that know the industry. That, that does affect returns in the data I've seen anyway. And the other thing I would add is I invest in companies that I've gotten to know because they've incubated at the Tampa Bay Way, for example. And my primary role there is to help our companies get more customers. We have a pretty good investor network, mm -hmm. but I have observed and learned that the best way to increase the value of our companies is to be sure that they're generating revenues. Absolutely. And Did you hear that, entrepreneurs? <laughs> I, I have a lot of contacts. Get customers that pay you money get, very quickly. That's right. And lots of them. <laughs> and the more customers you get, then probably the less capital you're going to have to Absolutely. raise. Because you'll, you'll get to that break-even point or that cash flow point a little bit faster, and the demands for raising outside capital will be reduced. And I just enjoy identifying a startup and saying, hey, I can introduce you to somebody who would be a good customer for this business and be a believer and an advocate as a customer relationship. So that's the fun that that's, yeah, I was that's say, where I, I have I think fun. that's part of the fun of, it, of being an angel investor. I mean, you buy public stock, you can't call up Tim Cook at Apple and help him provide any value, right? But these startups, we all have the opportunities, investors in them to make introductions to early customers to help out in, in a multitude of different ways. And that, and that is fun. That's why I'm in it. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, we can make a difference. Any particular deal size you look for, or are you more an early stage, like to wait a little bit? How do you look at all that? Deal uh, size? Oh, I, I, like to, I like to wait a little bit. Um, maybe at the Wave, we have a build, launch, and grow companies. The build companies are pre-revenue. Launch are companies that have gotten $100,000 to a $1 million in revenue. So they have some customers. They're beginning to prove their concept. And then grow companies are a million plus. And so I tend to play more in the post-revenue and the launch and even the growth stage myself. And my investment range for what I've set aside ranges from, let's say, 25000 up to the max of $100,000. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I am. I'm a small player in this. And that's why Florida Funders is so attractive to me. I can go in the crowd and put 10000 or fifteen dollars or $25,000 in a company I believe in. And I'm not going to get the big home run, you know, 20x return, but... I'm going to participate and enjoy might. and have fun. You might and, get it. And, we hope, we're hoping for you to get a 20x return. And, 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 Here's going to be a 20x return. Oh, wow. And <laughs> I was in there very, that was a very early one because yeah. I believed in the founders so much. Yeah. But I'd also say that because I'm conservative by nature, I think if I put 50000 in a company and it doesn't work out, it's it's okay. Yeah. I'm not going to cry over spilt milk at all. Yeah. I'm just going to wait for the next one. Well, actually, if you look at the, the statistics on this, the, the building that diversified portfolio is so important in, in playing in this game. And your probability of returns go up dramatically when you get to over 10 investments, even more at 15 and 20. They even go up a, a bit from there. So I think that's an important thing to point out. I, I think I counted up. I've probably got 10 investments right now. Good. And so that's probably I'm getting close to the limit of what I can invest in. I'm waiting for some exits like a lot of other people, but Fear Fit looks like it's going to come yeah. soon. Well, one of the things that, that uh, 
you know, we look at it, it Florida funders is, you know, building that portfolio. And we really try to encourage mm-hmm. our investors to do that. It's so important. But you don't have to put a lot of money in each deal. And oftentimes there's opportunities for follow on. So PeerFit's an example. That's a portfolio company of ours as well. And we've not only invested originally in the company, but we've done two follow ons with them. So that's maybe a question I have for you. When it comes to one of the things you see when you do early stage tech investing mm-hmm. is ideally you give them a check and they never need any raise any more money and you never dilute. And, but it doesn't usually Are work. Are there those? <laughs> doesn't usually work. They always work need out. more. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and ideally you, with the stage we play in, you know, they have revenues, they have some customers, but we're trying to get them to a series A mm-hmm. so they get to an institutional round. And ideally we're raising enough money. Our average check size is now north of a million dollars. They can nice. get to that next round. But oftentimes, they don't hit their milestones. They come back and, you know, they're not ready for an institutional round. So they can't do that. So they come back to their investors and say, hey, we need more money. How do you look at follow-ons? How do you look at that? Sometimes uh, I participate in a follow-on and sometimes I don't. It's uh, I, I really evaluate what the situation is. Why does the company need to do a follow-on? It's just a matter of time before they're going to be out of business or do they legitimately have good reasons mm-hmm. for saying I've got a timing difference here or I'm awaiting, they've got a contract negotiation that's pretty far down the road and they it, it's more like a bridge gap situation, then I'm usually inclined to maybe put a little more in. Mm-hmm. I don't make big bets like some of the other larger investors do. You know, it's funny, though, because uh, I mentioned this today at, at our, our luncheon we had for investors. Jason Calacanis is going to be, who's a very well-known angel investor, has a book out, a very popular it's book. It's a great book, by the way. It is. I've read it. I've read Jason. So he's our speaker at our April event in Miami. But in his event, in his book, as you know, and he's done over 100 investment. his standard investment is $50,000. Uh-huh. And he's invested in Uber. He was an early investor in Uber, Thumbtack, two of his first five investments for unicorns, which is amazing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you don't have to put a lot in each deal and you have, usually have an opportunity to put more in if you really like it as the time goes on. Well, so. that's encouraging for me to hear you say, because I've, I'm just a smaller investor. I'm having fun and it's okay to be investing at that yeah, level that's as great. we go along. And think about the impact we collectively, the Florida funders community yes. is having on Florida and the economy. And I mean, that, that, that's, to me, that's very exciting. I know it is to you too. Presentation, you know, investors come in, they've got their deck and they do this presentation. And, you know, sometimes the presentations are good and sometimes they're not. And, you know, sometimes that's maybe because they didn't do their homework, but sometimes they did their homework and it's the material's good. They're just not very good presenters. How do you look at all that? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I have a, having been in politics and not being a natural politician, I had to learn a lot about presentations and I had a lot of coaching myself. And one of the things that I get concerned about is the founder is someone who has a strategic vision, who's a leader. They do need to be able to communicate what their product is, what their service is and how they're going to execute on the service. But as one of those nerdy types myself, I appreciate that not everybody is going to be this dynamic mm-hmm. preacher type motivator. Yeah. And so sometimes I get concerned, Tom, that people who have really legitimate ideas who are brilliant don't really have that 
technique or that ability to be able to articulate or make a presentation before a group. So I would ask you this. Do you ever coach the really brilliant people that are just not going to be great presenters to maybe bring along a co-founder or someone else to be doing the communication part of it? Yeah, we do. And, and we and we like to think we can help them, especially as they get ready for yes. their Series A, do a better job. But I, I think from an investor, what we've learned, too, is just to your point, Great leaders are coming all different shapes, sizes, and personalities. Exactly. They're not all, as you're saying, the flamboyant, the very articulate. In fact, we get a little concerned, and we've seen yes. this a bunch when they're just too smooth. When they're, you know, they're just dropping names and they got all the right answers, and it's just, I'm I don't know. Totally just with that, you. That, uh-huh. I get that too smooth feeling. Too slick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think of some of our. You know, deals we passed on and deals we're in, too. And I think I liked also that if, if they're the nerdy, usually if it's a team and you got the one, you know, more outward and the more, you know, inward guy. And if the inward guy is really nerdy, but he's really smart or lady to women also, I don't get really hung up on that. If the, mm-hmm. the, the CEO is the nerdy, his or her number two or number three is a really good salesperson that does present very well because they're the good, you know, those right. early customers, they're going to be able to pull in. You know, they're one of the founders. They're not the number one person. They don't need to be, but they're going to really help drive the business. Exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about pitch competitions because I know you <laughs> see these a lot. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about deal flow and how important it is not to look at, you know, two deals to fund one, but look at 50 to fund one. You know, be selective, say no, 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 a lot more you say yes. I know you go to a lot of pitch competitions. What do you think? Is that a good place to find deals? Can you you get enough out? Do you like them? You know, I think it can be. I, I think that the Wave has, uh, our incubator has really developed a format to have our companies do even, we got feedback that five minutes was too long, a two and a half minute pitch. I mean, mm-hmm. if you can't really hone your story down and tell it in two and a half minutes, just basically the concept and have the audience listen, because not every investor in the audience is going to be interested, particularly in sure. every pitch, for example. But just give the investors or the audience just enough information in a really tight message so that then we stand ready to do follow-on, one-on-one visits. Mm-hmm. So a pitch is a sales job. Yeah. And But when you're an investor, like I'm an investor, okay, the sales job might pique my interest. But I've got to delve deeper later on yeah, you with ask more details and more questions yeah. and more follow-up. And a lot of it is just getting a vibe from whether or not, for me, I believe in and trust and think that the founder CEO has a lot of character and integrity. And business ethics is really important to me personally. Mm-hmm. So that all comes on in those follow-on conversations. Mm-hmm. Now, that's good. That's good. The, the uh I think the, the follow on the, the digging in of the questions, I think that's the knock on pitch competitions is you don't get enough. You don't want to make an investment from a pitch competition, but it's a great place for deal flow. Yes. A great place to, yes. okay, I like that. I want to find out more. I'm going to meet with that CEO or, you know, and, and find, dig it, dig it further. How involved did you like to get in these, com- and when you make an investment? I don't get very involved, really. I, you like to make some introductions, which is good. I like, I like the introduction. And then I'll, I'll go back to all, all the companies I've invested in have been mostly affiliated with the Tampa Bay Wave, mm-hmm. and which they've been through our incubator process. 
120 days. I go back to their, their mentors. I go back to the accelerator manager. If we sent them over to Florida Funders, I might follow up with somebody over at Funders, say, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the extent. I'm, I'm really in my gut and uh, don't have a lot of time to get really deep. I'm not a good investor for you because I don't get really deep involved no. because I've just decided I'm going to put a little, ma- a little amount of money in a dozen deals and recognize that there are other people who've looked more carefully and gotten deeper into, and I rely on who the other investors are. I think that's very wise. In fact, I, for years, was an angel investor for 15 or 20 years where I was running a business at the time. Mm-hmm. So I would do the same thing. I would only invest if one of my friends like Stuart Bertrand or Scott Miller was investing, and I knew I could count on them to do the due diligence. <laughs> right, exactly. And- do all the deal negotiation, put all the docs together. No, that's that, and that's exactly what we do at Florida Funders. So we, yes, it is. We, that's we, why we, I we, we love investors. like following along behind Florida <laughs> Funders and participating in the crowd. <laughs> okay, well, this has been great, Alex. Really appreciate your time, and I know our our listeners will enjoy seeing this. And and I want to put a pitch in for more women investors. Oh, women control a lot of wealth in this country, and somehow I want to get to one of these. Uh, pitch contest and these presentations and see a lot more interested women investors in the audience. That is such a good point. And we've started at Florida Funders. We have several events for mm-hmm. women investors because they, they add a lot of value. They have they have a lot of wealth. And we like to think that we can help them become great investors. And not make it a scary thing to do. Absolutely. Good. Well, well thanks so much. Thank you. To our audience, thanks for tuning in. I would encourage you, if you're at all interested in angel investing, go out to floridafunders.com. We always have deals up that you can look at. We always have events going on all over the state of Florida, investor events, entrepreneur events, pitch events. So get involved. We're happy to uh, welcome you to the Florida Funders family. And you can have fun along with people like Alex and myself uh, investing and making this great state even greater. Thanks so much. Florida Funders is an early-stage venture capital firm that blends a venture fund and a crowdfunding platform. They are investing in some of the most exciting early-stage technology companies in the state of Florida. 